Good evening. This is Doug Tuzman. You're on equal footing again. I am once again overseas for this show, so please be patient with the audio quality. If you're calling in to participate, please be patient. Our wonderful studio engineer, Dimitri, is alone there in the studio, so just let it ring so you get picked up. And you don't have to be patient. In fact, I want you to be impatient about the subject matter tonight. We're back to our roots. Last week was a little different, our annual Thanksgiving tradition of talking about gratitude, the role of gratitude in our lives and individual gratitudes. And now we're back in our lane talking about difficult stuff, obstacles on the spiritual path, confusion, areas where we try to find consistency and sometimes struggle to find coherence between our spiritual and our, let's call it, quotidian or daily lives. And in this case, it's around the, the, the uh, it's around Imuna, it's around faith, it's around belief in God. It seems like, an, no pun intended, or an article of faith, an obvious point that to be Jewish, to be religious, we must believe in God. We touched on atheism over time, over the years. There's, there's, there's some um, debate around that. To be Jewish is not just around your emunah. It's not just around even your performance of the commandments or, the, or mitzvot. It's also about ethnic identity, around tribal identity, around national identity. But we're not going to talk really about that tonight, but rather the nexus between Jewish belief and atheism, the journey from atheism to Judaism, and it's a belief within the Jewish context, emunah, the belief and faith in God, and perhaps the journey back again. We called this show kind of a little bit tongue-in-cheek, Did We Kill God? We'll talk about where that comes from, a little little intellectual prize to any listener who, who knows the reference and why we entitled the show that way in our social media class. But the, the idea here is really about, is atheism something we escape? Do we arrive in the, in the safe harbor of belief? Or is that duality, in fact, an illusion? Joined by two wonderful guests, intellectual, intellectually courageous guests willing to talk about such a touchy subject. Let me introduce first Joshua Moravchik. Professor Moravchik is, is a distinguished fellow at the D.C.-based World Affairs Institute. Professor Moravchik is also an adjunct professor at the D.C.-based Institute of World Politics for about the last, uh, what is this, 20 years, 30 years, pardon me. He's a former fellow at the Foreign Policy Institute of Johns Hopkins University School of Advanced International Studies. Professor Moravchik was formerly a fellow at the George W. Bush Institute, a resident scholar at the American Enterprise Institute, scholar in residence at the Washington Institute for Near East Policy. Professor Moravchik received his undergraduate degree from the City College of New York, PhD in international relations from Georgetown University, 
1998, Dr. Moravchik received a citation from the Polish Parliament for his activities on behalf of, po- of the Polish Solidarity Movement. Professor Moravchik, welcome to Equal Footing. Thank you for joining us. Oh, uh, you're welcome indeed. I'm very happy to be with you, Tov. And Professor Moravchik and our, our next, next guest, I'm introduced in a moment. I'm going to ask you both gentlemen to speak up a bit. I'm challenged by being out of studio. I found the quietest place I could find in the boisterous and wonderful old city of Cartagena, Colombia. You'll probably hear even some uh, itinerant musicians out the front of a building, though, <laughs> occasionally making noise. So we'll let to speak up on this program. Okay, Joel Newton. Uh, Joel is also a first-time guest on Equal Footing. I hope not the last time. Uh, fascinating intellectual. Joel is a recent convert to Judaism. He's a decade-long member of a congregation in Deerfield, Illinois. He co-leads that synagogue's social justice efforts, and he's involved with many other aspects at his temple. Joel has a master's degree in philosophy from the University College of Dublin and has worked in IT for 20 years. He's also a craft beer enthusiast. He started several beer clubs. Very cool. Joel writes and speaks publicly about his conversion to Judaism while maintaining his atheist identity. And, and we're, that's where we're going to kick off. And I want you to listen carefully to what that last statement. Joel writes and speaks publicly about his conversion to Judaism while still maintaining his atheist identity. Joel, welcome to Equal Footing. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Joe. Good to be here. Joel, this the way that, that you've articulated your uh, journey uh, reminded me of a joke uh, that I, it's, you hear this in various forms, and it's about a Jewish atheist who's excited to meet uh, the great heretic of Prague, sometimes known as the great atheist of Prague. And he arrives at the great man's house on a Friday night, he's, but he's immediately told to shush while the great heretic of Prague lights the Shabbat candles. And he's still excited to speak to him, but then they, they sit down for the Shabbat meal, during which the great atheist of Prague says the motzi over the bread and the gidush over the wine. And this atheist visitor can't take it anymore. He says, you're the great heretic. You're the great, her- you're the great atheist of Prague, and you follow your Shemir Shabbat? And the great atheist of Prague says, of course, I'm a heretic, not a Gentile. And I think that this, it's, it's, it's one of these jokes that kind of hits too close to home for someone like me. And I'm so glad to have read about you being so open, Joel, about your synthesis between Jewish belief, or I should say Jewish identity and atheistic identity, both of which you've chosen. You weren't born into either of those. Those are paths that you've chosen and how you found that synthesis. I think many of us, uh, synthesize those things to some degree in our lives, but often embarrassed to talk about it or don't know exactly how we did it or how we would help someone else do it. So help us out. What does it mean to be an active Jew and to some degree, I don't put words in your mouth, but to maintain an atheistic identity? Great, great question. I think it's, 
it's part of the journey where I, I wasn't either when I started. You know, I wasn't an atheist at the beginning, and I wasn't a Jew. I was started out life as a, a fundamentalist Christian, and through my college experiences, realized that I had to rethink those beliefs and landed upon something that was more atheistic and more of a free thinker and strongly changed my identity. I identified with that. And then later in life, I met a beautiful Jewish woman, and she said that for her, it was important that we had a Jewish family. And I said I could could adopt the traditions and celebrate the holidays. I hadn't yet fully signed up for joining a synagogue, but I agreed to that. And then as I became a, a member of a, the Jewish community that I'm in now, I realized how much wisdom there was there that has accumulated over the centuries and the, the morality that I agree with that just very you know, closely jives with my own, even though I'm a free thinker and an atheist. And I felt like, well, there's, there is, there could be a synthesis. So initially I didn't pursue uh, conversion to Judaism because I, I saw that that impediment, the the block of well, my understanding was I did need to believe in God, but then through uh, conversations with our rabbi um, who who encouraged me to pursue it, I was able to kind of find my own path where I felt like I was maintaining intellectual integrity while also professing um, a love of the Jewish people, Jewish traditions, Jewish morality. And thus was converted in that way. Yeah, I think Joel, we don't we don't have a halachic uh, expert on the show, so not pretending to fill those shoes. But I do appreciate in your writing about this journey how you help readers distinguish between Judaism as a religion and as and and also as a practice, uh, as as an article as as a as a. Uh, an experience of faith or a practice of faith, and then as a practice of practical mitzvot, uh, doing tzedakah, welcoming a stranger, um, etc. Et and there's been um, quite a bit of, of discussion about this halachically. Is, is, is belief in God um, one, of the, uh, uh, one of the mitzvot? It's not one of the um, Ten Commandments per se, there's a distinguish between, you know, there is only one God, but it, it isn't really about that relationship of belief as starkly as other commandments are. And there have been um, a number of Jewish thinkers over, over the years who have made the argument pretty cogently that you can be a Jewish atheist. Um, you cannot believe in God, and yet, and yet very um, uh, you follow quite uh, closely the uh, the 613 mitzvot, or at least most of them. Um, certainly, the ones that are that are still um, relevant to you can hew to them uh, quite closely. Now, Professor Moravchik, this is probably not something I think you would agree with. I, I, it, it seems to me, based on what I understand about your journey, um, you grew, you you kind of have gone from an atheistic. Uh, you know, communist bloc uh, upbringing or, or, or heritage over time to a more observant life. Do, do, you, do you see that observance as something that you can divorce from belief, um, or must they go hand in ta- hand? In hand? Well, I, I wouldn't 
Before I answer your question, I have to uh, say that I'm sort of chuckling here that Joel is kind of the uh, answer to my father's my father's prayer, if he would pray, that is, he, which he didn't do, but he com- he, he complained to me uh, once uh, that it seemed very unfair to him that one uh, could not convert to being a, uh, a, a non-observant Jew. You could only convert to being a, an observant Jew, and since he felt himself uh, he had a, a sense of Jewish identity, uh, but uh, was a very uh, devoted atheist. Uh, he, he felt it was uh, unfair that there was no way that uh, atheist Jews could uh, recruit others to their uh, to their league, so to speak. Uh, so. Uh, I, I, <laughs> uh, it, it, if I get to see him again, I'll tell him about Joel. Uh, but, uh, uh, you, you say, do I disagree with that? The, the problem is that I'm really not prepared to speak for anybody else but myself. And uh, uh, what Joel or anybody else should do it, it is really up to them. Uh, for me, I was raised no, not a communist bloc and not communist. So the, 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 I, 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 let me be clear: my my parents and my grandparents were socialists, but not communists. And my parents were certainly uh, anti-communists. And uh, I grew up, you know, sort of in their footsteps. And I embraced. I was the leader of a young socialist group, and uh, they were very. Devoted uh, atheists. My father never had a bar mitzvah. I never had a bar mitzvah. Uh, I, I think I never set foot in a synagogue until, I suppose, around the age of thirteen. One of my I remember one of my friends had a bar mitzvah and I attended. Uh, uh, but uh, at some point in my uh, adulthood. Uh, I, I, I had always felt a sense of Jewish identity, and at some point it just came to me that, at least for me, Jewish identity could not be about uh, uh, liking bagels and a certain kind of uh, comedian. Uh, that, that if I was serious about having a Jewish identity, that I had to practice Judaism and participate in uh, Judaism. Did I become immediately convinced that uh, of, of of God's existence? I wouldn't say that. I would say that I thought, well, we really have no firm proof that God exists or doesn't exist, uh, and that the 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 world is easier to understand and much and much more appealing if God does exist. So I'm going to make this kind of leap of faith. And, uh, I think faith is a good word because it, it, it can imply that there's no proof here and you don't presume that there's a proof, but it's, 
it, it, it's something you choose to believe. Yeah, we're going to take our first break in a moment, but you, you set out a, an important distinction between, the, uh, between Jewish identity as, a, as an ethnic and cultural matter and Jewish identity as a matter of observance and philosophy. And while we're not, I think, going to go into, in, in this show into the first, there are writers who do make that argument. There's, there's one uh, writer, uh, Abby Jo Morris, who's written a number of articles about, her, uh, articles about her conversion experience, which is different than yours, Joel, in that she's a, a self-proclaimed atheist, but her path, her relationship to Judaism in her writing is less about uh, observance uh, of of Jewish morals or commandments, and more about, I don't mean to stylize this, but the uh, just the love of being Jewish and eating Jewish food and singing Jewish melodies and, and having, you know, certain uh, prayers that, that are nice heuristics to think about when you're going to do a certain thing and so forth. And um, so, you know, they're all forms of, of, of uh, relationship with Judaism. It's part of the, probably what's make it, made it so durable. And it's, it's um, often seen as rigid, but it's very heterogeneous as well. Uh, we're joined by Professor Joshua Moravchik, by writer Joel Newton. We're talking about the, the nexus, let's say, between atheism and Judaism. Uh, is there a synthesis there? What does the journey look like from atheism to Judaism? And that begs the question of what does it mean to even be at that end of the journey? What is it to be Jewish as it relates to belief in God? I appreciate you gentlemen getting into this. We're going to take our first break. We'll be right back. Participate, if you will, by calling in. Talk about your own struggles on this issue. On this issue, we're on live radio, so be prepared to wait for a bit online and and then and then participate. Seven one eight three zero three nine zero nine zero for live callers. Seven one eight three zero three ninety ninety. If you want to send in a text comment or question, don't call this number, please. This is just for SMS, text, or WhatsApp Messenger. That's 917-428-4062. Again, to text in a comment or question by SMS or WhatsApp, 917-428-4062. We'll be right back. Well, what's the connection between uh, a show on religious, on spiritual journeys, on religious struggles, and erectile dysfunction? Talking about those two things, how in the world do those things fit together? The way they fit together is we're talking about things that you need to talk about, that you need to address. There's no shame in addressing, and there are there's a community of people dealing with. Manhattan Medical knows this. Erectile dysfunction is a challenge that two-thirds of men have in their lifetimes. Manhattan Medical has solutions. The first step is to give them a call. You don't have to be in Manhattan or New York or even uh, in the New York area. Anywhere in the United States, you can do a teleconsult with Manhattan Medical on erectile dysfunction. 
The number to call is 888-ED-CURE-9. That's 888-ED-CURE-9 or 888-332-8739. Manhattan Medical utilizes a new effective therapy called Gainswave. It's actually not that new uh, in Europe and Canada. It's been achieving excellent results there for many years, relatively new to the United States. Gainswave therapy to treat and cure erectile dysfunction avoids expensive blue pills. Many folks have comorbidities, cannot take that remedy. The Gainswave therapy for ED is non-invasive, it's surgery-free, and it's painless. There are no side effects, and for the vast majority of patients, wonderful results. Check out Manhattan Medical's Gains Wave Therapy for Erectile Dysfunction. Call for a free consult. It is free. If you mention you heard about Manhattan Medical's Gains Wave Therapy for ED on equal footing, you get a free consult. That's a $250 value. You don't have to worry about insurance payments. Call 888-332-8739 or 888-ED-CURE-9. Call now. I've been caught, but I'm keeping on, keeping on and I've been told, You're back on Equal Footing, joined by Dr. Joshua Moravchik and Joel Newton, talking about the nexus between atheism and Judaism. What do, let's see, Harold Ramis, Nina Hartley, Larry David, Sarah Silverman, Gene Wilder, Irving Berlin, Larry King, Tom Lehrer, Ira Glass, uh, Ernst Floyd, Arthur Miller, Jonathan Miller, Isaiah Berlin. What do they all have in common? Well, they're Jews. They have that in common. They're also, they are or were, in many cases, self-proclaimed Jewish atheists. Joel, what does it mean do you ever say? Do you ever introduce yourself that way? First of all, uh, it, 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 even if you don't, what does it what does it mean to be a Jewish atheist? Well, um, it means I've I have a, I've converted to Judaism. I've been recognized by a rabbi as as performing the, the tasks uh, needed to convert. Been asked the three times and said yes every time, and I don't have a belief in God. You know, atheism is without. And without a belief in God. I mean, I think when I was converting, I tended to gravitate towards the word non-believer, which probably is less familiar, but to me it's less antagonistic because the new atheists you know, are, are kind of antagonistic people, Dawkins and Harris and, and others, um, Hitchens, and I don't really want to always associate myself with this strident antagonistic atheism, but, you know, depending on the the situation, I will either introduce myself or, or, or mention that I'm a non-believer or an atheist and also you know, a practicing Jew. And uh, if, if you don't mind, I'd like Thanks. to comment, too. You, you mentioned the Abby Morris, her, her, Abby Jo Morris's piece. I had read that as well. And it, what I found, how I differentiated myself from what she wrote, is she, she was looking for a structure, and it seemed like she was kind of almost forced into something. She was fearful of her life falling apart, of not having that structure. And, then, and to me, that was a, an interesting contrast to, I didn't feel like my life was falling apart. I just felt like it would be richer. You know, I, I already had my own 
philosophical background and my free thinking aspects, but I felt like if I added Judaism and adopted that and became part of that, it was so much richer. That was just wanted to make that contrast between what Ms. Morris wrote and what I feel. Did you feel in, in your both you and Abby Joe Morris uh, have in common, if I understand, that you grew up uh, as as practicing Christians, in her case, I think fundamentalist, I'm not sure if that applies in your case, uh, did that make, in a sense, the conversion process easier um, in, in, in your experience, Joel, because you grew up in a structured religious environment? Uh, well, it was easier insofar as I had already read the Hebrew Bible, not in the original, but, you know, I, had, I was familiar with the text and some of the uh, the traditions. We had our version of a Seder that we practiced growing up, which I learned is very different from what you would see in most Jewish homes. But there was definitely a familiarity there. I think that kind of that eased my entry into the ritual and, and the worship and the other parts of the synagogue life. Yes. Professor Moratchik, to, to Joel's last point, there was a 2013 study conducted by Pew Research Centers, probably the broadest study on religious identification has been done. We're going to quote it a couple times in the show. But it was primarily conducted in the United States. And in the Jewish respondents to that multi-year study, uh, 55% of Jewish respondents said being Jewish is mainly a matter of ancestry and culture. Only 15% said it was mainly a matter of religion. I thought that's fascinating. So over half say what, what I'm paraphrasing here, but to be Jewish is really about where you come from and the culture you're coming from. Um, less than one out of five respondents, one out of six or so respondents, said that, that Jew, being Jewish is a matter of religion. And here's the, here's the kicker. Two-thirds, 66% of Jewish respondents in this Pew Research Center study said it is not necessary to believe in God to be Jewish. Professor Moratchik, what do you make of that? Do you agree? Uh, well, well, one one thing first, uh, it, I, I'm addressing both of you by first name, <laughs> Joel and Dove. I feel awkward being addressed as Professor so-and-so. Well, my, uh, please call me Josh or Joshua. Uh, l- let me try to answer your question. I... You know, Judaism is both a religion and a peoplehood, and uh, uh, if someone feels I am part of the Jewish people, I am a Jew, but I don't practice Jewish religion or I don't believe in in God or whatever. who am I to say no? You're not a Jew. Uh, uh, okay, I mean they're uh, they're the, the center of Jewish existence today is the state of Israel. Uh, there are a lot of Israelis who are not religious. What I say, therefore, they're not really Jews. That would be absurd. Uh, so to me, it uh, it it, it makes 
much more sense to feel a part of the Jewish people and also uh, to practice the Jewish faith, and, and which is uh, a, a, a series of beliefs and a series of rituals and a series of uh, uh, ethical commitments. Uh, and uh, I, in my eyes, they make a, a kind of coherent whole. Uh, but uh, my only concern about people who uh, who say they're Jews by tradition, etc., uh, but not by any belief, is that well, uh, what about their children or their grandchildren? Uh, if they're Israelis, that problem doesn't exist. If you're an Israeli, you're a Jew. End of story. Except if you're, except for that part of the population that's that's Muslim or Christian, which is, a, uh, a, a, but I mean of of Jewish background. If you're an Israeli, uh, then you're a Jew. But if you're an American and uh, you're a Jew, but not in any sense part of the Jewish religion, uh, is that going to uh, endure, and I, I have uh, great worries on that score. And, and, and I'm going to take your request to heart. I'm going to call you uh, Josh, uh, Josh, <laughs> uh, Professor Rapture. What we're talking about here, I suspect some of our listeners, yeah, I don't know if they're rolling their eyes, they're saying, of course, we know this, you know, to be Jewish is to be part of a, you know, we say MOT for a reason, right? Are you MOT or a member of the tribe? And it, it, it is a cultural, whether you place a lot of importance or not on that, there is ethnic and cultural identity there. And we know we've had shows before on Jewish DNA. And, of course, someone who converts may not have Jewish DNA, but they're not only are they Jewish, we've talked to before about the special elevated place of the convert in, in, the, in the Jewish faith. But all of this is a bit hackneyed. I suspect they're... People are saying, you know, I know this stuff already. But there's, there's a, um, I don't know if it's disturbing, but there's a, a, a strain here that is, um, that is more particular around belief. And, and Joel, we're going to take another break in a moment, but I want to uh, read a little bit more around of this Pew Research study re- of, of these results to you, maybe have you reflect on them over the break. About a quarter of Jews in the United States say they believe in God in any way that resembles what's described in Torah. Okay, so one out of four. Now, we could have a whole different discussion about Israel, because that's the incidence of atheism and non-belief is higher in Israel, in the Jewish community in Israel, than it is in the Jewish community in the United States. Discussion for another day, and actually discussion we've had in the past on the show. But, again, a quarter of Jews in the United States, only a quarter, Say they believe in God, and in any way as it's as God is roughly described in the Torah. Now, if you compare that to Christians, it's eight and ten. Now, this is across all levels of belief. That I didn't I didn't caveat that, Joel, by saying fundamentalist Christians or Catholics that go to to uh, to church every Sunday. Of all self-identified Christians in the United States, eight and ten say they believe in God, roughly as described. In the Bible, a quarter of Jews say they believe in God, roughly as described in the Torah. Over 
Almost 60% of American adults of all religion say they believe in God as roughly described in the Bible, but only a quarter of Jews do. So there is something else here. We seem to be more atheists, in fact, than any other group. Even self-described atheists have higher incidences of other areas of belief in divinity than self-identified Jews do. Put a pin in that. We'll be right back on Equal Footing, talking about the nexus between atheism and Judaism. We'll be right back. Christians have, Christians have their hymns and pages, hymns and pages, Havanagilas for the Jews, for the Jews. Baptists have the Rock of Ages, Rock of Ages. Atheists just sing the blues. Romantic. Equal Footing with Dove Tusman is sponsored by MDCS Dermatology, your experts in skin care. With two Manhattan locations and four offices in Long Island, including Plainview and Comac, the dermatologists and skin care surgeons at MDCS are proud to be affiliated with the Albert Einstein College of Medicine and New York Presbyterian Hospital. So schedule your next skin exam in one of MDCS's convenient New York area locations. To make an appointment, go to www.mdcs.live or call 212-661-DERM. That's 212-661-3376. You can even schedule a virtual video visit with MDCS's board-certified dermatologists from the comfort and safety of your own home. So go to www.mdcs.live or call 212-661-3376. And don't forget to mention Equal Footing for 15% off all cosmetic procedures. You're back on Equal Footing. I'm Joe Tuzman. I'm joined by Joshua Moravchik, Ph.D., and Joel Newton. Nerd alert. You ready? Victor Weisskopf, Eugene Wigner, Stephen Weinberg, Joseph Rothblatt, Saul Perlmutter, Robert Oppenheimer, Yuval Naiman, Lan Lederman, David Gross, Jerome Isaac Friedman, David Deutsch, Hans Bates, David Bohm. Okay. And scientists, physicists, and ma- physics, physicists, and mushmouth and, and mathematicians, few of you listening recognize some of those names. All scientists, many of them winners of uh, various prizes, including I think I listed six or seven Nobel Prize winners in physics and mathematics. All Jewish. Yes, Jewish. And Jewish atheists. Here's a stat for you. More Jewish atheists have won the scientific prizes, the scientific Nobel Prizes, than any other group, including Jewish believers, including any other religious subset. More Jewish atheists have won Nobel Prizes in the sciences. Okay, Joel, I'm sorry for that break free, but we're talking about those Pew Research studies over the break. I mean, if I were a cynic, which I guess I am, I, I might say that you as an atheist found maybe a better home to be an atheist in than even a group of atheists in the Jewish faith. What is that allure? Where does that... I, I how, totally agree how, with how, you. Because I've, I've, I've dabbled in secular humanism, and because there is kind of a community there uh, near where I live in Evanston, there's a group 
and I, you know, I, I visited, but I couldn't, I couldn't connect. But then, you know, just stumbling into a reform synagogue and making connections, and yeah, realizing I'm, I'm not the only atheist. It was a very, very rewarding experience. I mean, but returning to your your point, Dove, about you know the the contrast, you know, eight and ten versus a quarter, I'm not surprised at all, because that belief in the deity is so fundamental to most Christians, and without it. And they're like, what are you doing there? Why are you walking in our doors if you're not even passing this basic bar? Versus Judaism is like, well, you know, I was born Jewish. I'm going to show up. I'm going to do my thing. I'm not, I'm not going to be questioned that. It's heritage. It's culture. And that's, that's kind of getting people in the door. But I also want to echo something that Josh was saying. I mean, I, I'm concerned about people who are only identifying as cultural Jews versus religious Jews, because they're not going to be the ones that keep the communities going. To me, the community is, it's, it's the soul of it. You know, how good and pleasant it is for brothers to fall together in unity. That's not about God. That's about Jewish community. And that's what, that's why I go to synagogue for my people, for my brothers, for my community. That's to me, that's, that's important for the, the longevity of, of Judaism, to have people who are willing to show up, and secular Jews aren't necessarily going to show up. I mean, it may be an eye of holidays, and that's it, but that's, it is worrying that how that might weaken the structure of American Judaism, for starters. Josh, what do you, what do you think about, about Joel's comment? As, as an intellectual, as a member of the Academy, do, do you agree? Uh, the... the uh... In terms of of uh, the the perpetuation, or, or his point about his own experience uh, uh, finding community, I'm I'm not sure what what part of what he said you're asking me whether I agree with it or not. I guess I meant more about the perpetuation, but the community comment is interesting as well. You're you're obviously in, a, in your own community, and I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on that too. Um, it, it, uh, yes, I, I mean, I do agree with him, and I think, uh, you know, Pew has also given us some data on that, uh, that, uh, uh, that, that people who identify as Jewish because, in, in essence, of some, of some memory that they, uh, you know, felt, uh, that they, had the knowledge that they were Jewish in the uh, sense of Jewish people, uh, and that and certain aspects of, of certain, like I said before, bagels and 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 uh, you know, Borscht Belt comedians or what have you, uh, that that um, the likelihood that their children will identify. As Jewish uh, is considerably smaller than uh, people who have a kind of sturdier sense of their uh, connection uh, to Judaism or to the Jewish people, and uh, I, I think it's uh, I, I think it, may, it makes it makes a ton of sense, and uh, uh, I, I wanted to. Um, you know, to, to share a thought about this this issue that you you know 
point to with such dramatic numbers, you know, the sort of that the uh, Jewish people were the first to give the world the belief in the one God and seems like we're leading the world in the disbelief in the one God. Uh, and and that's, uh, uh, it's, um, I think, much harder uh, for, for a minority, unless it's concentrated geographically, uh, to uh, maintain practices than it is uh, for people who are in the majority, uh, where uh, uh, to for if you want to worship on Saturday, you have to have a a certain commitment to doing that because there are little league games and uh, swim meets and uh, uh, many other things uh, going on. Whereas uh, uh, if you're a Christian in a predominantly Christian society and uh, uh, everyone around you is sort of uh, going to church occasionally or, or celebrating Christmas or uh, what have you, then uh, it's, it's easy to participate in that without uh, 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 giving it much thought or a very intense commitment. I think that's a, I think that's a fair point. I, I think that the the glue of of uh, tribal and, and, and ethnic and cultural um, identity is uh, is also part of the story there. Um, but I want I want to get to uh, a caller who's been uh, patiently waiting in the line. Dimitri, can you can you put through the caller, please? Good evening, Dove. Good evening. It's Stan. How are you? Hello. Hey, Stan. What are you doing in Colombia? Can't you stay put in this country? <laughs> you I'll, be, I'll be back tomorrow. Okay, that's not faster. Okay. Look, uh, very interesting topic. It fits me to a T because I am one who does not believe in God at all anymore. It's over. It's been over for years. For me, the epiphany was 9-11. Once and for all, it proved it without it. Absolute proof that there was nothing. But, and this is the but, the civilization of our people, and I use the word people, but just because we're Jews, that's who we are. We're a religious group. We're not a uh, 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 Italian-oriented. It's not skin. It's religious. Our civilization changed the world. I'm interested in the culture. That's what most of us who don't believe believe in, in the civilization and the culture of what we have brought to this country and the world. Abba Ibn, the great Abba Ibn, had a a book, Civilization and the Jews, and a great PBS series as such, which geared to that situation. He never said it. He talked about that, but it was more about what we contributed as a people. And that, God was not minimally mentioned in the series. If you watch it, it's mentioned, but it was more about the civilization, who we are, our contributions. That is where the majority of liberal moderate Jews are today. The Orthodox, they get it. They're in their own planet. But not us. We do, many don't believe you. Get that uh, survey you had was right on, and so forth. But we still believe in our culture. We still say the prayer for our dead. I say it, even though I don't believe in it. We do that. It, it has uh, 
certain aspects of the religion that are necessary. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No. Yeah. No problem. And and, and you know, normally you know I I hang up and hang up. I know you're and, running out of time. It's okay. okay. But no. But I have a, I have a follow up with for you on this one. Sure. Go uh, ahead. Why why do you, why do you do mourners kaddish if you don't? My mother asked me to do it. Uh, I loved my mother. And I remember her crying when my father died, and she would light the Yatzite candle. She said, do me a favor. I know you don't believe anymore. I know, and maybe to some extent. But do me a favor. This is, in a way, the key word is traditions. Traditions. So would you do it for me, please, after I'm gone? I said, Ma, I don't want to do it, but I'll do it. And I do do it on the holiday. It, for me, it's, you know, they're gone. But if I say that I light a candle, maybe they're still around somewhere. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's right, it. I mean, it's tra- certain traditions, Dove. That's what keeps us going. It doesn't necessarily right. have to be a divine being. <laughs> well, thank you, Stan. I appreciate that call. Reminds me of the, okay. the fiddler on the roof. And that's it. <laughs> if I were a rich man, yes. <laughs> you know, uh, Joel, it, it sounds like you and Stan have a lot in common here, even though Stan, I, I know because he's called into the show before, uh, was... You know, was born and, and, and raised Jewish. You were you're born and raised Christian, but there seems to be a common appreciation of the traditions. And uh, it, it, but but in, but there's a difference, is there not, between traditions and observance? And I think I don't want to talk too much here. But I, I, it feels to me like that it's a bit of a cop out. And I don't mean any offense to you, Stan, but I've heard this argument before that it's about the civilization, that's what we've contributed, it's about the traditions. But those traditions are really rooted in observance of the commandments, of mitzvot, the whole system of morality that we take for granted in the Western world, or at least the Abrahamic you know, world, uh, is, is fundamentally a Jewish system of belief, a Jewish system of thought. Is it, can one divorce traditions and Jewish morality and really divorce traditions from belief, Joel? Well, I would ask, kind of counter that question and say, do Jewish values stand up without a deity? Can you believe in the Jewish values of welcoming the stranger and doing tzedakah and tikkun olam, repairing the world, without a divine ordinance telling you to do it? I think you can. And that's, to me, I... I accept and I love those Jewish values. I just don't believe they were handed down on Sinai by, you know, this finger that came out of the sky and carved them in stone. So I, I, I would wonder, I would ask Dan, you know, where do Jewish, Jewish morals and values fall? Are they part of culture? Are they separate? And, you know, and, and can we just accept those without, you know, the divine edict? It reminds me, Joel, of the, the great, late great Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, it has a, a beautiful piece about the idea of why did God create atheists or why do atheists exist and exist and um, he talked about how he he honored atheists in a sense more than believers because when an atheist performs an act of charity or visits someone who's sick or helps someone in need or performs tikkun olam care for the world he's not doing so because of a religious religious mandate uh, he's doing so as I you know as born from his own heart and being. Um, which, in a certain sense, is, is 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 from a higher place. One could make that. One could make that argument. We're going to take our last break. More, We're here. Intentional place. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. 
Yeah. Sorry, we're, sorry, we're going to take a last break. We're here with Josh Moramchik and Joel Newton. We're talking about the complicated and sometimes beautiful nexus between atheism and Judaism. We'll be right back. Touch the sound of silence. And in the naked light I saw 10,000 people maybe What a beautiful song. Equal Footing has been brought to you over the last couple of years by a wonderful company called Mechanical Art Capital. Mechanical Art Capital is for all of you watch lovers, you watch collectors, you watch dealers. Your timepieces have become increasingly valuable. Unlock the cash value of your watch collection or inventory through Mechanical Art Capital's buyback contracts. They're really easy. You can do it from the Mechanical Art Capital app. You can download it from your app store on your iPhone or Android device. Just type in those three words, Mechanical Art Capital. You can also go to their website, mechanicalartcapital.com. You get free appraisal of your watch collection or your watch inventory, and then you're shown how you can get cash against that inventory or collection within 24 hours, two days at the most. You can call Mechanical Art Capital for information as well on getting cash, unlocking cash out of your timepiece, collection, or inventory. Call 833-209-0972. For more information, that's 833-209-0972, Mechanical Art Capital. I've been caught, but I'm keeping on, keeping on and I've been told, but We're back on equal footing. Uh, Josh, I keep saying, uh, because I want to call you Professor, Professor Moravchik, <laughs> Josh Moravchik, uh, it makes me nervous to interact with you because I'm a numbers guy and I, I'm afraid of, like, I know that, what is, what is that, um, oh goodness, who's that uh, great journalist that says the only, the only thing, Joan Didion, the only thing worse than a lie is, is a statistic. But I'm going to take a risk and throw you another statistic that I find really interesting, uh, Dr. Moratchik, and it is around just base knowledge of religion. Uh, this came out of that same 2013 wonderful Pew Research Center. By the way, the Pew Research Center study on U.S. religious knowledge and identification. You gotta check it out. Go to, go to pewresearch.org and look up U.S. religious survey or something. There's so many, so many different things. We don't have time to get to all the angles of that study on this show. But one of the most fascinating things, Josh, that I saw in that study was that the respondents who were most likely to have, uh, evidentiary knowledge, I shouldn't say evidentiary, factual knowledge of other religions, and meaning understanding the chronology of patriarchs, or understanding the, the teachings of Jesus, or understanding the basic tenets of Islam, and so forth, were atheists. They were more likely to have knowledge about world religions than believers. The next uh, group that was most li- likely to have knowledge about a religion other than their own were Jews. Now, before, before <laughs> Professor, before you say, oh, well, you're mixing up causation and correlation, yes, those groups are also more educated. Atheists and Jews tend to be more educated than 
other subsets in the study, but there, there's various evidence uh, in, in the study that, that, that you can still separate those two factors. What, what is that about? Like, I don't understand. If you don't believe in God, why do you care to develop a knowledge base about God belief? Well, Dov, I have no idea, except that uh, it's possible that people who uh, uh, identify as atheists have uh, more often taken some time to, uh, to see what uh, various religions uh, uh, have to offer. But if you allow, Dov, I wanted to... Uh, I had a comment I wanted to make about the, the point we were discussing right before we went to the break. Would that, would that be all right? Uh, um, of course. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assume it is, uh, which is uh, uh, it, the subject was the question of the, uh, the, the uh, religious source of the various uh, ethical ideas that are, in Judaism and that are around the world that we, I think, can say uh, uh, began with the Judaism or with what Christians call the Old Testament. Uh, uh, with, and and, um, and, and uh, Joel made the point that you can uh, embrace the, those uh, uh, ethical ideas without... Uh, necessarily embracing the, uh, the 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 existence of God or or, or taking the the whole uh, religious structure and the history that's presented in the Torah as as being literally true, uh, and uh, I I don't I don't want to argue with that, but I I would say that uh, the the key idea in Torah that every human being is created in the image of God is really the most important single idea uh, undergirding uh, the uh, moral beliefs that are common in Western uh, in Western civilization. Uh, I, I know my own work, you know, is not in religion. It's in uh, foreign policy and international affairs, and I've written a lot about human rights have taken a great interest in the question of human rights uh, around the world. And uh, when one wrestles with this issue, the, the foundation of a belief in human rights in our own country or any other country is, is, is something as a kind of universal value uh, is that idea that every human being uh, is has an inherent uh, worth and dignity, and that comes from this uh, 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 Torah uh, biblical injunction that each human being is made in the image of God. Yeah, and I think that goes back to Stan's uh, comment around, you know, for for him, I'm paraphrasing that being Jewish about is about tradition, and I think the 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 root of those traditions are a couple of core beliefs uh, from which everything else springs, including Mourner Scottish, and that that is that that idea that, uh, like you said, the divinity in, in each in each human being. I think also, of course, the the um, the the Rabbi Akiva, you know, maxim of what is hateful to you, do not do to others. That's 
you know, the whole Torah, the rest is commentary. He, there's me, Rabbi Hillel, pardon me, Rabbi Akiva said something similar, but Rabbi Hillel. Um, Joel, on this, on this point, let's give you the last word because we're, we're coming up on time. Uh, it's interesting. Both of you had a lot of common ground uh, with, with, with Josh. Um, you know, as you're talk, talking with someone who's a self, you know, believes in God, um, maybe came from a more atheistic framework. You've come from, you've stayed in an atheistic framework, but decided to convert and practice the religion of, of, of Judaism. Uh, if you were to play devil's advocacy for a moment and step back and make the, um, the, the, you know, who's the, there's a British chemist who won the Nobel Prize in chemistry, Henry, uh, Harry Crotto or something, he called himself a devout atheist. And I said, I feel in a sense you're like a devout atheist, but I appreciate that. But let's say you found out right now that you were wrong and that God does exist. Um, what would be the framework as an atheist to which you would just arrive as an, as a Jewish atheist? Um, that you would have arrived at that at that at that place. What's kind of the canary in the coal mine for you in your atheism? You mean what would it take for me to switch? Or when you say, you, yeah, that's a way to put it. Because I, I don't I don't consider myself devout. I consider myself a free thinker. And if God showed up on my door tomorrow, I'd say, yeah, you know, I was wrong. Okay, let's change. You know, go and revise everything I've written. That's fine. And that, that's one of the precepts of, of being a free thinker is that you're open to new evidence and you're always willing to change. But my point is, well, thus far, that hasn't happened. So I don't, it, it would, you know, it might knock the wind out of my sails for a day or two, but I pick myself up and it's, well, you know, the evidence has countered what I believe so far and I will, you know, just move on, go forward. And, uh, that, that's, that's kind of the, the core of, of being a free thinker. Yeah, I love that. That that's the uh the Christopher Hitchens is kind of the the pop the, the late Christopher Hitchens is a kind of pop atheist that we talk about it really yeah. strictly in terms of evidence. Like that which can like be asserted without evidence can, Russell, can be dismissed uh, without evidence. Yeah. So yeah, the, yeah. even before Hitchens there was Bertrand Russell who really really came up with that that nugget that like a, a religious person could be a free thinker and an atheist can be a free thinker. As long as their beliefs, you know, square themselves and their experiences, and then God speak to them, you know, every pun intended. Um, I'd just like to make a quick comment, too. Um, we're talking about, you know, created in the divine image. For me, it's like, you know, what, what is hateful to you do not do to your fellow man. Fellow man first. I've been reading some boober in the whole concept of I and thou. And I'm, I'm wondering, I'm kind of struggling myself, because Boer obviously had a very strong belief in God. But for me, I'm wondering if there is this concept that I can come up with of a vow that is the, uh, the value of the other person without that divine vow. Um, mm. That's that the, kind of the perfect humanist perspective. Joel Newton, Josh Moravchik, Ph.D., thank you both for joining us on Equal Footing. We hope to have you on again. I appreciate your intellectual honesty and willingness to talk about this. Thank you, Dennis. You're certainly welcome. Thank you, Doug, for inviting me. She tied you to a kitchen chair. She broke your throat and she cut your hair. And from your lips she drew.